Hi, friend. Welcome back to The Everyday Evangelist. I'm Jessica Dudek, Director of Evangelization at Christ the King Catholic Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and this is your landing ground for practical tips and tools for sharing the faith in the day-to-day. This week, we're wrapping up a series called Acts in Action, where we're looking at the movement of the Holy Spirit and how God uses the movement of the Spirit in evangelization today. Last week, we began to talk a little bit about healing and specifically, how do we discern what type of healing God is bringing somebody in any given season? And with that, we really can't talk about healing and the power of the Spirit without paying attention to the fact that sometimes the Lord's version of healing is to call the person home. And this topic is extremely difficult on so many levels. Um, I know for me, I used to really wrestle and wonder why. And it's not like I can say that I even have answers now. Uh, But over time, different people in my life have given me a lot of hope and insight and helped reframe the experience of death really as what it is of the Lord bringing someone home. And I want to acknowledge that this, for some of us, gives levels of comfort but doesn't necessarily change the grief that we experience today. So as we talk about this and press into this subject matter, I wanted to bring in a good friend and colleague of mine, Amy Godfrey. Amy is the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Christ the King, and it's just been a huge privilege for me to get to work with Amy. Uh, She's brilliant in her work, um, but has also just become a very dear friend, and I really value her insight. Um, Amy's going to tell us a little bit about herself and her story. Um, And yeah, Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you here. Um, So as we get started, Amy, would you tell us a little bit of of your story? I remember the first time I met you, um, you told me how your first husband passed away. And really, it's because of that that I wanted to hear your insight on the podcast today in terms of how we understand God's nearness in all of this. So would you do us the honor of telling us a little bit about that experience? Sure. Um, As Jessica said, my first husband uh, passed away from liver cancer after we had been married for a little bit less than a year. Although I like to say we were married for exactly a year since uh, it was a liturgical year. We got married the day before Pentecost and then he passed away the day before Pentecost. Um, so we did have that that year together. Um, when we got married, he had already been diagnosed with cancer, but his prognosis was um, actually a little bit better. <laughs> they thought that he would, if he responded to treatment, um, live much longer, but he ended up getting a blood clot in his liver um, and that they weren't able to remove it, and that ended up uh, meaning that he died um, more quickly than they thought. And uh, one thing that I always like to say when I'm telling this story, when I'm beginning to tell this story, is that um, there was a point when Peter and I started dating um, where I realized we had gone out on, I don't know, a few dates, and I realized I could walk away. I knew he had cancer. I knew that there was potentially a difficult road ahead of him and ahead of me, and that I could walk away and have relatively little damage done to my heart. Um, I wasn't in love with him yet, although I thought I could be. Um, And I remember thinking about it and praying about it and feeling like if I walked away, the only reason would be because I didn't want to get hurt and that I wanted to protect myself from pain. But I came to the conclusion that if I spent my life trying to protect myself from pain, I would never truly live. Because if you open yourself up to joy, you also open yourself up to pain. And I didn't want to 
say no to joy just because it might come with pain. And I really felt like the Lord was leading me to just move forward and trust, um, to see where the relationship would go. And so I made the decision to move forward and, uh, we got married. Yeah. Had a wonderful year together, uh, before he passed away. Thanks, Amy. I just really think your story is so beautiful. And I think every time you tell me about it, there's a different piece that I'm really touched by. Um, and it's just, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I find it very moving that you really entered into that marriage knowing about his illness and knowing that even his passing was probably a when, not even an if. And I just want to affirm that for me, that actually gives, I would say, a really strong perspective of, I don't know, not taking life and health for granted and maybe even not even assuming my health as a right, um, but as something that is a gift from God. Uh, So Amy, one of the questions I had for you in this is how do we pray when a loved one is terminally ill? You know, in evangelization and when we think about the gifts of the Spirit, healing is something that's really exciting. You know, we want to pray boldly for healing and ask the Lord to give miracles. Um, And obviously, He doesn't always do that. Sometimes God makes a different choice. So when we're in a situation where someone we love is terminally ill and it's really looking like it's a matter of when, not if, how do we pray? Do we pray for a miracle? Do we not pray for a miracle? Should we have faith for healing? Just I know it's a complicated question, um, but love to hear your thoughts. How do we pray? Yeah, that's that can be really difficult. And it was a question that Peter and I had as well, because um, when he, we first got married, he was trying a, an experimental treatment that seemed to be working. Um, it had at least slowed the growth of the tumor. And miraculously, actually, it had taken all of his pain away. He was actually in a great deal of pain from the tumor. They never could quite figure out why he was in so much pain. But for some reason, this treatment slowed the growth of the tumor and just stopped his pain completely. Um, and then, uh, so with, there, there was a lot of hope. And in a sense, it was easy to pray. <laughs> at that point, because God heals in multiple ways. He can heal supernaturally just by reaching in and healing the person. He can heal through physicians and doctors. He can heal by bringing us home to him. And it really seemed like at that point healing was was possible. And then um, he developed this blood clot in his liver and he was no longer allowed to be on the treatment anymore. He didn't qualify for it. And uh, they told us at that point he had six to eight weeks to live and we needed to start to prepare. And um, we asked uh, the priest who was accompanying us at this time and just said, how do you both prepare for death and pray for healing? Do you just stop praying for healing and just prepare for death or do you keep praying for healing? And he he just encouraged us. He said, do both. You do both. And it seems a uh, like you're being contradictory when you do that, but he said, you know, you really are even in preparing for death, preparing for healing as well, because the way the Lord might choose to heal is to bring Peter home. So every night we prayed together for healing and we continued to pray for healing, but we also did begin to prepare and and do the things that needed to be done to prepare for death, such as saying goodbye to family members and doing things like that. Um, and I mean, I'm not going to lie, it was hard. It was hard to live in that contradictory place of both preparing for death and praying for healing because we had a lot of faith for healing and being, you know, having to let go of what we thought the healing would look like um, and accept God's plan was really, really difficult. 
Yeah, that sounds really difficult. And it kind of reminds me of other conversations I've had with people in, in different veins of discernment of kind of walking forward with like faithfulness and surrender. But this is just a whole new level of both praying for healing and and preparing for death. But I think that's interesting about the um, the priest's perspective there, you know, that really if God's healing is bringing him home, then whether you're praying for healing or preparing for death, it's like you're almost praying the same thing. But wow, that does sound like very different contradictory worlds to, to be sitting in. Um, so how is this for you spiritually? Um, where was Jesus in all of this for you? Well, one thing that um, I really was able to do during this time that I had never been able to do in my life before <laughs> and feel like I haven't quite accomplished in my life since was living in the present moment. Um, I remember one night in particular where we were just sitting and watching a movie and um, Peter was on IV pain medication at that point. He had a little pump that the hospice had set him up with. But I mean, other than that, you wouldn't necessarily have known that he was sick. And we were just sitting watching a movie and I suddenly was overcome with a sadness. Like, I don't know what'll be happening if I'll ever be able to do this again or what will happen in two months or three months or, you know, this, we're just sitting and watching a movie, most mundane thing. And, and maybe, you know, who knows what the future holds. And I immediately just felt this grace to just say, but Peter's alive now. And we're sitting together watching a movie. And I can either choose to enjoy this moment of just, you know, many married couples <laughs> enjoy um, these simple mundane parts of life, or I can spend my time worried about the future. And I'm, I choose to enjoy this moment. And I was really able to grasp a hold really through the grace of God. And I just think through the power of the Holy Spirit, just be able to grasp a hold of those moments and truly live fully in the present moment. So, I mean, we all get told so many times, you know, the we don't have the future. We don't have the past. All we have is the present. And yet, we so often don't live in the present. And the grace of that time when Peter was in hospice was the grace of living in the present moment in a way that I had never been able to before. It was something so powerful and so precious. I would never trade for anything. Um, just being able to truly be present with him um, every moment um, in those weeks leading up to his death. Um, and then Jesus was also very present in a, in a practical as well as spiritual way. We had people bringing um, us uh, the Eucharist almost every single day um, while Peter was sick. And the the grace that flowed from that was also immeasurable. It was um, just really powerful to have people bringing us Jesus in that very tangible way as well. That's beautiful. Um, Amy, this is kind of a a loaded question and and maybe there's not even an answer to it. Um, but it's one that I have to ask, which is how do we make sense of it when God allows someone we love to die? Um, obviously you were in a great place uh, or you had good guidance of holy surrender, but I've had many people in my life pass away where there, there really wasn't that surrender where we were praying all the way up to the end and, you know, really believing for a miracle. And then, um, you know, the Lord calls them home and it can be very jarring, very confusing. So what are your thoughts on this? How do we make sense of it when the Lord answers our prayers and the person passes away? The simple answer is we don't. In <laughs> um, that death, death is, is wrong. We weren't meant to die. Um, that's why it 
hurts so much. We are meant to live forever, but because of original sin, we don't. Um, and we know in the deepest depths of our being that this is wrong. We were not meant to die. And um, I think we need to uh, acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge the fact that we were not meant to die and in order to actually be able to accept the death of somebody, um, which kind of, again, sounds contradictory, but we need to acknowledge that truth and then acknowledge that's why it hurts. And then we can, we can move forward from there. I think uh, we're also tempted to find meaning somehow say, uh, you know, I've, since Peter died, I've since remarried and have uh, to a wonderful man named Paul and I have two beautiful children. And it's tempting to say, well, Peter died so that I could, you know, marry Paul and have these kids. And no, that's wrong. That's not why Peter died. It wasn't like God needed to get him out of the way so that I could marry Paul. The good that God brought out of Peter's death was my marriage to Paul and my children. But that's not why Peter died. I may never know why Peter died. I certainly, I've accepted I will never know this side of heaven. And I suspect when I get to heaven, I won't care anymore. <laughs> but um, but maybe I'll find out there why Peter died. But I've had to uh, just learn to embrace that um, it was God's will for Peter's life that he uh, die and receive healing um, at you know in heaven, and I've had to accept that since that was God's will for Peter's life, it was also God's will for my life. Um, and uh, I think I was only ever really able to accept that when I I just sort of had this realization that yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, I've always believed in eternal life. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure, I'll see Peter again. But there was a moment when I felt like I really, really came to understand what it would mean to see Peter again and that I would see him again, that I had that belief without a doubt that I was going to see him again when I, um, when I die, when I go to heaven, you know, God willing. And that was when I was really able to just say, okay, Lord, um, okay. I accept this and, um, you know, take, walk me through this. And, and I don't want to pretend that it was easy because it sounds like, oh, oh yeah, you know, within a couple of weeks you said, yes, okay, fine, move forward. No, this was a couple of years <laughs> of wrestling with the Lord of before I was really able to, um, to, to accept that this was God's will for my life, that I be a widow so young. Um, you know, maybe not, you know, it's his permissive will, if not his active will, and it's probably not the place to have the discussion over over that kind of theological point. But, um, you know, God brought me to that point um, over a couple of years after Peter's death. So, Wow, thank you. I think that is very actually very helpful. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's... It's a hard to wrap our mind around. I really appreciate your point of we don't have to... F- for some meaning on it to say, you know, he had to pass that something else could happen. I think that's really helpful to kind of take that parameter off of the discussion. And I think it's, it's natural in our humanity to want to, to grab that. But yeah, it just sounds like you're kind of encouraging us into a much broader actually surrender um, of God's love and faithfulness by removing that sort of forcing to find a meaning out of it. Can you tell us a little bit more? I love what you're starting to say about how 
eventually, you know, you're able to know that you would see Peter again. And thank you for also specifying that that wasn't like the moment after he passed, but some time, some depth into the grief. Can you tell us more about where Jesus was with you in the grief process? Um, So I remember a point fairly soon after Peter died, you know, maybe a month or so, where I remember realizing that I could walk through the grief process kicking and screaming and not cooperating with it. (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense. Or I could surrender to the process, surrender to what needed to be done in order to truly grieve, you know, to really enter into it. You know, there's no way around it. Um, Eventually you have to go through it. And I thought, you know, I can choose to like try to dance around it and not really go through it. Or I could just say, okay, Lord, take me through this, take me through this grief, bring me through. Um, And I remember thinking, um, I can choose to not face it and to not really, really dive into the grief. And eventually I'll, I'll probably be able to, to heal to a certain measure, or I can just say, Lord, take me through. And I just decided that's what I wanted. I just wanted the Lord to bring me through. And so that was sort of my first moment of grace of really sensing the Lord's presence in the midst of this and being able to say, yes, yes, Lord, I want to grieve for Peter. I want to do what needs to be done um, in order to grieve for him and then not um, move on with my life because that isn't, it's not like you grieve and it's done and you just move on and you've forgotten about it, but to be able to sort of move through, to um, continue on uh, with, you know, with the changes that have been brought in my life because of this grief, because grief transforms you. And if you're, if you are willing to cooperate with the Lord in it, I think it really transforms you, you know, into, um, into a diamond into something that's really been purified. And that's really what I wanted. I wanted that to be transformed through it into, um, into a better, someone who had a stronger relationship with the Lord at the end than they did at the beginning. Um, And so I think in saying yes to that, there were lots of moments of grace. There were lots of moments of acute pain. I don't want to gloss over that at all, but there were moments when I really sensed the Lord just reaching through and speaking to me. Often at Mass, I would go to Mass almost every day and often just sit there not even say the responses because I was uh, tired or sad, but just to sit there and just let the grace wash over me um, and really experiencing the Lord in that. And then experiencing the Lord in my friends who were taking care of me. Um, after Peter died, I didn't spend the night alone for six weeks after he died. I had friends, family members staying with me so that I I wouldn't be alone until I was ready and experiencing the Lord in that too. Um, and then, uh, just really trying to trust that, um, that there was a plan that, that, you know, holding on to that trust until, um, it felt, it felt real <laughs> again, the sort of an act of will. I, I'm not somebody who gives up easily. And I, I had a priest friend tell me, all you need to do, Amy, right now is just don't give up. You don't have to do anything except just don't give up and let the Lord walk you through. And, I remember saying, well, I've never given up on anything in my life. So I guess now is not the time to start. <laughs> and um, just being able to to walk, walk through. Wow, thank you. That was, oh, that was beautiful. I think there's so many wonderful things you just said, but the one that really stood out to me was how talking about yourself being transformed 
through this and, you know, what kind of watching God bring a diamond out of this, turn you into a diamond. I think as I'm hearing you say that, it's sounding like the Lord, you know, obviously he spoke life over Peter by bringing him into eternal life, but it also sounds like he spoke life over you through this, um, that through the process of death, there's a new, a newness of life that he brought. I hope that doesn't sound insensitive to say. That's kind of what I was hearing from that. And yeah, I love your um, your honesty about the pain, but also see, seeing Jesus in the tangible acts of love from others, but then also in your, in your soul and your spirit and through the graces. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that. And I also appreciate your honesty of like, no, needing to enter into the depths of the grief. I think that sometimes we can opt in this perspective, you know, that Jesus, he doesn't want us to suffer. And so then we avoid the suffering. But I think your story actually really shows the beauty of entrance into the cross. And uh, the Lord always promises and always brings resurrection from that. But so one more question I have for you, um, and maybe this is a little broad, but I know you're going to have the perspective we need today, which really is, what is the message of hope? that we can give to those who are facing terminal illness or have a loved one facing terminal illness and have loss that is um, pending? I think um, the message of hope is really Jesus. You know, in a sense, uh, Jesus uh, knew he was going to die and he knew when he was going to die and he knew that there was no way out of it. And that's, it's different from somebody with a terminal illness, but I think we can draw we can draw hope from that, that Jesus has walked the same road um, and that he knew what was going to happen to him and he embraced it and he died for us so that we could have eternal life and we can ask him to walk that road with us as we um, walk with those facing terminal illness or if we are facing terminal illness ourselves. I know also uh, that Mary really um, was uh, an important uh, person for me to meditate on as well because she uh, walked with Jesus. She was there with him when he died and, um, you know, asking for her intercession and asking, um, you know, for for her, her prayers also um, as we as we walk through this, because, you know, if we invite Jesus in, if we ask uh, where those moments of grace are, um, there will be um, just an immense uh, well of grace that we can kind of tap into. Um, I think uh, one of the most intimate things that I've ever done in my life was walk with Peter uh, while he died. Um, They said he had six to eight weeks. He ended up having 10 weeks. We had a little bit longer than they said, but um, those 10 weeks of, being with him and uh, sort of being his Simon of Cyrene as as he walked towards death was immensely profound and immensely intimate and immensely painful, but nothing that I would ever trade for the world for being able to be with my husband um, as he saw saw the face of Jesus um, to walk to walk towards that. And so I, I think really the the hope we have to offer is Jesus and and what he what he has for us. Um, I remember uh, I can't remember Peter was in hospice. Can't remember exactly when this happened, but we were having a conversation one time, and he said, "You know, Amy, I know when I get to heaven, I will be happy and I will be joyful because that's heaven. I can't like there. It will be you know 
complete, complete fulfillment, but I can't imagine being happy if you're not there. Um, and I just can't imagine that. I know that it's what will happen, but I can't imagine it. And, um, I didn't really know what to say to that. And so I don't think I said anything, but a couple of days later, um, when we woke up, he said, I had a dream last night. I had a dream that I went, I was in heaven and I was on a dance floor and you tapped me on my shoulder and I turned around and you were there. And it was, I knew you had lived your whole life and then you had come and you were there. For me, it was like a moment. For you, it had, you know, been however long it was until you showed up. But um, it was like the Lord was showing me I, I wouldn't experience a loss because God is the eternal present that it would be that you were there with me. And I said, well, how old was I? <laughs> when I got there. And he said, I don't know, but I just know you, I just knew that you had lived your whole life. And then you showed up. And, um, after that, he wasn't, um, he wasn't scared anymore. He really felt like the Lord had given him that, that moment of grace. So I think if we invite the Lord in, he can, he can show us insights like that. So no one can, uh, you know, see this because we're audio only. I'm just sitting here crying. <laughs> telling that beautiful story. You never told me that story before. I'm going to be crying for a while. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, Amy, thank you so much. Yeah, I think, well, there is no answer, you know, to why. I've just been, I've been so blessed um, by who the Lord has made you to be and how he's given you so much strength and grace um, and wisdom through this. Um, And my hope and prayer um, for all of us listening today is that the Lord speaks comfort, um, speaks truth, um, and speaks life. We know that um, the Lord, who he is, that he brings life from death. Um, So may the Lord do that for all of us, uh, for all the loss that we face Uh, And may he give us that hope. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.